<laughs> Witchy Witch woman. See how high she flies. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to a, I don't know how, what else to say, guys, a very special episode of a free podcast. It, it was paid by someone else. Yes, yes. Uh, as many of you know, we have a Patreon, and one of the one of the things is you can pay us $50, and we'll talk about a movie that you choose. And someone did it, so shout out, shout out to Dennis out there. <laughs> So it's election season. Lots of talk about higher taxes. Clearly, he can afford to pay more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are doing uh, Space Camp, which I had to look up. I didn't know what this was, but this is a uh, 1986 film. And before I go into it, I guys, I'm so sorry, guys. I didn't introduce you. My name is Rob, and uh, my good friends, Joe and Duff. Hi, everybody. To the stars. Because... <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be a lot of SEO traffic that this that this gets. You know, we got the Space Camp fans out there. They're just searching oh, yeah. every day on searching every day on uh, Apple Podcasts. To uh, see if, is there any Space Camp? I'm gonna carve this. I'm gonna carve this up into uh, appropriate time lengths for TikTok and just start <laughs> uploading. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Space Camp is a 1986 movie, and the reason that you may not have heard of it is it did very poorly. <laughs> It was, at the old, it was not well received by people. With that said, a lot more people have heard of Space Camp than I thought. I've asked Re- a couple, like it's. Oh really? Yeah, like I've asked several people in our age demographic. I feel like this was a cable movie, and just depended on which cable stations you had. <laughs> that, it you does. Know what they call, have... You know what they call that? Anecdotal evidence. Mm. Mm. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh it does have a, I mean, what else do we say? A stellar cast, which we'll get to. But let's 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 rewind a little bit here and let's explain why this did poorly. It is a space movie about kids that go out into auto, auto, in, into a space camp, and it came out like I guess the, the, the space camp, the space camp. It was uh, filmed and it was meant to be released in early 1986. And unfortunately, Uh-oh. on January 28th, the Challenger disaster occurs, which was, we'll get to it, but broadcast into many schools live <laughs> as uh, seven people blew up, uh, but, <laughs> including a teacher. But not Big Bird. <laughs> uh, and for anyone who is unaware, uh, Carol Spinney, the actor who played Big Bird, was and not making this up he was uh given the chance and there was talks of him going on to the challenger uh to get kids excited about space luckily he did not go (laughs) (laughs) um so let's let's just dive into i'm gonna try to quickly do a plot synopsis of this movie just to give people an idea of what's happening and then we can dive in because there are I don't know why this was picked necessarily but there are a lot of tangents for us to go out on here so essentially this movie is 
even outside of the challenger timing, not it's a bizarre movie. I had no idea what the point of this movie was for a good half hour to 40 minutes. <laughs> Essentially, the first yeah, the first half hour is just like hanging out insert, at space camp. Insert 80s summer camp movie, right? Teens Where... having fun, chasing uh facing life's trials. Yep. Chasing tail. Yep. Um so yeah, we have uh we kind of mostly follow four different teenagers. And uh, a 12-year-old who ends up going to the space camp as well. And they end up going to the space camp. And you're right. Just, hey, you know, you have all – you have, like, a valley girl. You have, like, the, the like, I don't, I don't care about life. It doesn't matter, teenager. You have, like, the smart scientific kid. You have, like, all the, like, the overachieving girl next door. Like, all these different stereotypes. And they are all taught by Kate Capshaw – which I don't know if I've seen I don't know if I can name another Kate Capshaw role off the top of my head outside of Temple of Doom and that nightmare performance. Uh she didn't do a lot after that. So yeah. There's yeah, she kind- hooked up with Spielberg. Yeah. Um so she's she's and her husband is Tom Skerritt, which is a delightful a delightful thing. Um Hey, it's that guy from Top Gun. Yeah, yeah. And she uh she is a little bummed. Because we find out at the beginning that she wants to go up into space and she keeps getting passed over. There hey, may be some... same. Get, suck yeah. it up, lady. <laughs> they haven't let me up yet either. <laughs> there may be some gender politics at hand here. Um, and her husband, Tom Skerritt, has has gone up. So she ends up, instead of going out in space, you do what your backup is, which is teaching summer camp. <laughs> the, those who can do. <laughs> yes. So uh, off she goes to teach these teenagers, and you know there's back and forth. They do their all on the thing, but then the crucial thing is we in- we're introduced to a little robot <laughs> <laughs> named Jinx, which not a good uh, name for a robot. <laughs> yeah, and the whole thing of Jinx is Jinx is this NASA robot that they kind of like. This is what's weird about this movie. NASA is clearly part of this, and they have a plot in this that like. There's just this robot they spent a lot of money on that doesn't do anything except, like, bring tools to people. Like, just... <laughs> like, just every it, 80s, every Reagan-era movie is obliged to have some kind of government waste, like, mm-hmm. throwaway thing. The robot cost, what I think they said, $25 million. Yeah. And uh, But its big problem is it takes everything literally. And everything. Uh, let me, as a, a little tease... It will end up costing them many more millions of dollars by the end of this movie. Yes, absolutely. So Jinx is, oddly enough, voiced by Frank Welker. Yeah, who's done everything. God, just a ton of Scooby-Doo, animation. Scooby-Doo, Megatron. Yeah. Like, you know, he's done some Simpsons stuff. Just probably like any big animated series. Yeah. Also, how do I, how do I get to this? For like a wholesome, like, isn't it fun, it's a space movie... During this first 35, 40 minutes where it's like, you know, kind of like your normal 80s camp, there's like a little bit of like, oh, look at 80s sleepovers, girls dorm, panty party. <laughs> like- there's like a joke about big hands. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not. And there's a lot of swears in this movie for what it yeah. is, too. Yeah. And, and it's just like, I mean, I don't know why 
I don't know why, but like you know, when when you're when you're when you're a youth and you see these movies and you're like, oh man, when girls hang out, it's just like just their t-shirts and their panties, and they just like <laughs> hang out. And I think the audience is learning a lot about the way Rob watches movies <laughs> right now. Well, I will say that Rob, it's okay if you were turned on because all these actors are like forty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I'm just saying, like, I'm with Joe at the beginning. You're like, what is happening with this? So then... Um, it's definitely, like, a weird just kind of series of... Uh, it's like an Altman film. Just, like, random... Yeah. yeah. Random slice of life bits. We're learning we're learn about Kate Capshaw being pissed off. She's not going to space. We got all these teens. Yeah. We got yes. a robot. We have the robot. And the four teenagers are... Uh, our Catherine, who is the uh, the sort of like the uh, the next girl next door scientist that wants to like, you know, big ambitions, played by Leah Thompson. We have um, we have Kelly Preston is playing Tish, which is like the Valley Girl, but she has like a she memorizes everything she's ever seen. She has total recall. She has photographic memory. Yep. Yeah. We have uh, Tate Donovan, who. If you're not sure who Tate Donovan is, you can Google him, and he's always looked the same. Like he looks the same in this, 1986. This dude as he does looks now. old enough to sell cars, and he's at a summer <laughs> camp. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like he's Kevin, who's just like, you know, who cares? Doesn't matter. Get some girls, listen to some rock and roll. He's alpha male. I I will say, I I, I did identify with his. Doesn't matter. We're all gonna get nuked anyway. I, yeah. I, I did identify with that. I'm like, yeah, just do whatever. And then the other role, which I actually recognized, but then had to like confirm, and I'm sure you guys already know this, but we have uh, Larry B. Scott as Rudy, and Rudy is sort of like a klutzy dude, I guess. And the only thing I remember seeing Rudy in or Larry B. Scott in is he is Revenge Lamar of the Nerds. from Revenge of the Nerds. Yep. Which just a delight Lamar. and then the best the best here is we have the 12 year old like kid who is very bizarre is played by lee phoenix who we all know as um joaquin as joaquin phoenix so Un- you know ca- unbearable <laughs> it's so bad it is can, can it is say it's easily joaquin's worst performance <laughs> oh my god it yes. is it's obviously very unfair it for us is to do that young anakin though. phantom menace levels of mm-hmm. annoying it is very bad and so he i don't think it's that bad mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not good but it's not it's pretty bad so the big event that happens here is is uh max was who joaquin plays is this kid and he sort of gets uh yelled at by uh kevin because uh the robot jinx ruined kevin and uh and catherine's little nighttime uh he got he got cock blocked by a robot (laughs) (laughs) and uh kevin's really mad at max and he yells at him and max runs off and he says something about what is the quote do you guys know exactly what it is but that he wants he just wants uh, he wants to go to space and he's never going to get there is the crux of it and so uh, Jinx, the robot, hears him. And Jinx and Max have, have, have created quite a relationship. Uh, and, yeah, Max says, I wish I was in space. And Jinx hears this and starts putting plans in motion. Mm, Max wants to go to space. <laughs> <laughs> so then what NASA does, and this is a three-week summer camp. So it's not, like, that long of a summer camp. But, but I mean, also, before I forget it, 
why yeah. is this 12 year old going to camp with 17 year olds and it's Didn't like his, you miss it, the beginning yeah it's raised in the beginning uh, yeah i was already checked out i think <laughs> he like goes to like this other camp normally and he's gone through it twice already that's like uh junior camp he's already done junior camp and he's doesn't want to do it again but he loves space so he talks to kate capshaw's character andy and she uh, is like fine you can you can do it so also by the way kate capshaw in this especially at the beginning not a great teacher because like she just (laughs) she's not not a good mentor her yeah just first of all like just doesn't want to be there second of all upon finding a kid that reminds her of herself decides that because she is beaten down and defeated by life (laughs) she is just going to be harsh and cruel to the leah thompson character Mm -hmm. because she reminds her of herself and she's working out some stuff in real time (laughs) they do this thing where they get to they get to like uh go inside Of a space shuttle while it does an engine test, which seems bananas. Absolutely crazy. <laughs> it's like one of the most far-fetched things I've ever seen in a movie. Mm-hmm. This is this is after they have like the TGIF equivalent of the right stuff training montage. <laughs> yes. You should explain yes. what the engine test actually entails because it's absolutely ludicrous. Basically, I, I, they, I guess I could do it. They just yeah. they, they, they fire up the launch rockets With, just yeah. to see if they work yeah. while they, they're all they, strapped in. Yep, yeah, and they keep the, like, they don't launch the rocket, but they fire up the engines to just be like, all right, well, is everything good? Yep, and then the kids get to, like, be in the space shuttle. It's like when with, you do a ride-along with cops, except it's a space shuttle. Yes. <laughs> but I guess, to be fair, it would be like you did a ride-along with cops, and they just started the car up and then turned the lights on, and, and, and so now you can leave. Yeah. Except old, old Jinxie <laughs> has hacked into the NASA computers, essentially learns that there is a like possibility that like something could go wrong with one of the engine boosters and like makes that happen or something. I don't I don't totally understand the logic because it's like, well, if something goes wrong with one booster, they have to fire all the others and they have to launch is essentially yes. the thing. So he does that, and so essentially one of the boosters doesn't work. So in this space shuttle, you've got Kate Capshaw and, her, and, and the teenagers and, uh, and the 12-year-old. <laughs> and the like. I think the funniest part of this movie is like all of a sudden Mission Control is like, oh, we have an issue. And they don't seem very alarmed. They're just like, I guess we'll just launch him up into space. This I is guess. This is not a confidence-inspiring Mission Control. <laughs> <laughs> like they it feels like they should be freaking out even even uh tom scarrett whose like wife is in there is just like well, I well guess they'll just to watch be him. to be fair rob you as you said this was filmed pre-challenger mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe maybe this lax attitude uh had a turnaround <laughs> maybe maybe so uh they oh, just... also i wanted to point out that when jinx is causing this he's having a conversation with the hell 9000 apparently (laughs) (laughs) this movie is bananas (laughs) because now these kids get like shot off what is probability of max in space (laughs) (laughs) get shot off in space and like things still go wrong like everything goes wrong they don't have enough oxygen because 
believe it or not, guys, the shuttle wasn't space ready, which maybe Mission Control should have thought about before they launched them up into space. Yeah. 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 But I guess they had to because otherwise they said they would have blown up either way. So they, they shoot them off into space. And then we have this very bizarre moment because, like, things are pretty tense. And this whole movie is, like, weird tonally because, like, it kind of starts with, like, summer camp hijinks. Then they get launched into space. And then it's like, hey, it's fun in orbit and to use a space toilet. Like, there's sort of, like, a little montage of enjoyable. Yeah, there's there's a brief period between, oh, no, we're in space and running out of oxygen where it's like, (laughs) yeah, this is fun. Yeah. Uh, And then they find out, like, they don't have communications. They don't have enough oxygen. They don't, like, they're probably going to die. You know, then, you know, the movie ends in victory. Because believe it or not, these kids are able to pull things together. This is like a weird subgenre in the 80s, isn't it, guys? Like, kids. Yeah. It's like uh, figuring it, out like everything. Like the Goonies, you know, it's like. Red Dawn. Every movie. And and that's why I I don't I don't dislike this movie, really. Because uh, when you're a kid, movies like this are really cool. Because you want to be a grown-up. Yeah. Yeah, I... I mean, this is a goofy movie, but I'm not seriously coming down on it too hard because this is for children. Um, yeah. Does not do much for 37-year-old men seeing it for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> no. Or, I mean, but I mean, but to Joe's earlier point, there is, like, weirdly a lot of swearing and, like, penis-sized jokes. And, I like... mean, there was that stuff in other... Like, the Goonies had some dick jokes, as I recall. There was, like, the bit with the statue that they I break mean, in the beginning. As you guys know, I've never seen the Goonies. <sighs> okay. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, there, but, I mean, there were lots of PG and PG-13 movies. I mean, lots of movies aimed at kids or juveniles that had yeah. kind of raunchy humor. Um, I mean, the central a central part of Back to the Future is trying to rape your mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's not like a yeah. I don't think the Back to the Future. <laughs> Speaking like, of Leah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they go up in space. I don't think we need to go into everything that happens in space, but essentially they run into obstacles, and then each kind of person has to overcome their flaw and then fix that obstacle. It's the friends they make along the way. Yeah, and but my favorite part, the only thing I want to bring up on this is the best part is Kelly Preston's character. <laughs> All she does the whole time is just flicking a button back and forth, like, for hours, hoping that NASA will, like, realize she's, like, sending telemetric Morse code. Yeah. The only reason that they figure this out and 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 go back and, like, realize, like, Mission Control is worthless in this movie. Yeah. The, the only way they realize that she's been doing this, just, I mean, literally, just flicking a button back and forth, sending Morse code, is old Jinx, Jinx, Jinx that Jinx. darn robot. Jinxy. <laughs> Jinx sent Max into space. <laughs> is the one that points out this little light has been flickering. Which, like, once again, what is Mission Control doing? Isn't there someone that should be there and watch and ex- light? And except for Tom Skerritt, they all immediately dismiss this robot. They're like, get him out of here. <laughs> They're literally trying to drag him away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, too long didn't read. The kids spend three weeks learning about spacecraft and space camp, and then they're able to... Uh, you know they you know they get launched into space and are able to land back uh back on earth and it's uh it's a happy ending i think you're leaving out the the most exciting moment of the movie okay and the only one i think we should really elaborate on is the spacewalk 
the spacewalk <laughs> with uh when when Max has to save Kit Kat. When, when they're running Phoenix, out of oxygen and they yep. go to like a space station to get some liquid oxygen canisters, which are attached to it for some reason. Yep. That don't look like they would have that much oxygen. <laughs> but it's liquid. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Whatever that means. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, so what's uh, which car- Kate Capshaw goes up there, right? Kate Capshaw yeah. goes up and in, in to get it. With the adult. The, the same kind of like little uh, propelling suit that they have in Mission to Mars. Yeah, yeah. Between Mission to Mars, this, and 2010, we've got a lot of space movies we've covered. But but they uh, these are in storage mode and for some reason are set up such that an adult can't reach them. Yes. Which yep. seems That's like the problem. government for you. <laughs> I don't know how they got there in the first place. It's in sort of like a, would you say it's like a, kind of like a grid of. It's a weird setup. It's like a, it's like a video game maze or something. I I mean, to be fair, they're, they're there not to like grab oxygen and use. I think they're there to like pump into the space station they're building. So it's not like they're meant to be like easily pulled out, I guess. But, Uh, but yeah, I mean, how did they get there? And yeah, so she can't. She can't reach – she can't get her suit into where the oxygen is. So there's only one option. Yeah, yes. there's there's only one. And you need to you... put the child into a, a spacesuit and, and shrink it down with rope yes. and send him out there. Now, he gets scared of this because he's 12. <laughs> wow, weird. He should be. Fair. And this we have – this movie leans hard into like, hey, guys, Star Wars, huh? Mm-hmm. And uh, – Oh, it's this – yeah. <laughs> and the way – because earlier in the movie, uh, Kevin and Max, like, Max keeps, like, pretending he's Luke Skywalker and Kevin is Han Solo. So, like, Max is really scared and then Kevin starts talking to him like he's Luke Skywalker and a- able to give him the confidence to, like, go and, and, and you know, spacewalk. Which seems like a big deal. Yeah. But they pull it off. And uh, and a bunch of other stuff happens. Yeah, she's uh, they they go into autopilot bef- after she has an incident and is out like hanging out in space by a rope, mm-hmm. and the autopilot sh- closes the storage bay doors. And yep. if uh, without um, their courage to turn off autopilot, she basically would have been dra- dragged through the atmosphere <laughs> on a tow rope and, and melted in front of their in front of their eyes uh, as they reentered the Earth's atmosphere. All the while. All the while, we just have uh, uh, John Travolta's future wife just flicking buttons in there. <laughs> I, That's her job. I feel so bad for her. Uh, I'll say some positive things about this movie, which are more in theory than in, than in practice. Sure. Um, for an 80s uh, youth-oriented movie, um, it has a gender-balanced cast. That's true. Uh, it has a strong minority character. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing, very rare for the time, it passes the Bechdel test. And, oh. and, yeah. and it also passes the Makomori test. What's the Makomori test? Uh, the Makomori test, uh, it come, it's gained some traction on the internet. It's uh, based on the character in Pacific Rim. Okay. And the, the three tenets for that are... You have to have at least one female character. That's one. Two is that the character has an independent plot arc. And three is that the arc does not simply exist to support a male character. Okay. And the Bechdel test is you need to have... Two women. Two they women. Have a, they have a conversation that's not about a man. Yep. Okay. 
and I mean, the whole point is that it's, you know, just such a bare bones test and yeah. so many movies fail it. But for like mid eighties movies, that's. Yeah, for, that's, that's, that's a good point. So again, like more in theory than in practice, but I do respect this movie. Cause I mean, like Joe said, like it's a positive movie lesson wise. It's about. Yeah, te- do you think this movie would have been a hit had the challenge or not occurred? Um, yes, maybe I, I agree. Actually, I think it would. Yeah, I think it would be. Yeah. I mean, it has, uh, like you said, a lot of stars, a lot of people who are famous. And like, you know, I think it's hard, especially for any, I mean, even us, I would say, but especially if you're younger than us, I think it's easy to forget like how big of a deal NASA was. You know what I mean? Like from like, from essentially when the moon landing occurred to up until the challenger like the idea of working at nasa and being an astronaut and going up into space like there wasn't there wasn't i mean was there a cooler thing i don't know if there was i mean it's still i think you're right i mean i I still think it's idealized now it's just a bunch of billionaires are getting in on it too yeah but i mean but yeah going to space like nasa's not doing like like uh missions where you send people up and like shuttles and stuff not people but I mean, they're they're mainly doing like exploratory missions to Mars and whatnot. Yeah, but it, I mean, it's 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 not like the amount of money and stuff going into it isn't isn't even close to what it used to be. We got and, too many uh, wars. I don't know. I just I just we think, fu- we like, found other very valid uses for that money. Yeah, yeah. Um, so may, may I just p- sprinkle one? We like to talk about the music, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's yes, two music related notes. Y- yes. Yes. Um, I'm going to start with one that's just a briefer, just um, laugher here. I love in the beginning when the cool guy character shows up in his Jeep. <laughs> yep. yep. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they pick that classic musician that all the cool kids are listening to in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Solo Eric Clapton. <laughs> a song I had to look up. I'm like, well, I know that's Eric Clapton, but what is this? Yeah, I didn't know I'd what heard that song it was a bunch of times, now, but now I can't remember what it's called. 80s Clapton song. That's you know what it, you know what we can say about it. It sucks. Forever man. <laughs> Forever man. Song. Yep. Terrible. Yep. But there is one really great song in this movie. Oh, okay. I don't remember. Walk. Uh, Walk of Life by Dire Straits. Oh, yeah. Man. Again. Again. Like all the all the cool kids sitting around listening to Dire Straits. <laughs> I like I like that song. Yeah. It's all right. Um, I'm not real into Dire Straits, but. Uh, so yeah, it's it's got a John Williams at the soundtrack. Yeah, well, too. that's the other thing I wanted to bring up. Phoned how did, him. How did, how did they get him? Well, I mean, he. There must have been like a connection with Kate Capshaw and Spielberg, and Spielberg's like, "Look, just come on," because <laughs> also this is one of the most phoned-in Williams scores. This is just like, oh yeah, oh e- it's terrible. It's like E.T. retread. <laughs> It it very well could probably was just stuff from the cutting room floor from his other space movies yeah. that he didn't use that because it wasn't good enough. Yeah, I honest, I honestly, I don't even think I realized it was a John Williams score until we were just talking about the you music would, now. You would not know it if you didn't catch no. it in the credits. No, yeah, I, I noticed it in the credits. If I, I like, if I if I hadn't noticed this in the credits, I would have said, "Oh, John Williams ripoff here." <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um. I did read, guys, in this movie, in the earlier drafts of the movie, which is always fun to know about, um, when the kids are up in space 
a Russian shuttle is sent up to rescue the American kids. And then you learn that Russian kids were piloting that shuttle. Russian space camp? Yeah, which also, I'm like, did they have the same accident? Like, did Jinx get both of them up there? Russian Jinx? Yeah, Russian Jinx. Comra- uh, comrade Jinx. <laughs> It'd be pronounced Yinx. So let's talk about what Jinx did in this movie. He ratted out on uh, on a some a teenage couple going out. Yeah, for mm-hmm. some, you know, for like to be fair, like it was pretty harmless. Like it wasn't like they did anything bad. They just like they're you know, at camp. That's what yeah, you do at camp. camp and they, they talked and kissed. Well, I wouldn't like, know what you do at camp. <laughs> I never went to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm surprised someone hasn't taken upon themselves to educate us what space camp is like. Listen, I didn't go to space camp. No, if that's if that's on me, I didn't go to space camp. Uh, I What's the worked... point of like a like a NASA camp? Oh, so as a work as an internship. It was an internship. Yeah. Oh. So if little camp kids can get blasted off into space, what do they let the interns do? Uh, well, so like, did you build the spaceship? <laughs> <laughs> like the thing is, is like, it was. I mean, listen, I enjoyed my experience working at Langley. At NASA when I was a, uh, between my junior and senior years in, in high school. Um, but, like, a lot of what NASA does, like, there's the space stuff, but a lot of it is, like, aeronautics and, like, atmospheric stuff. So the project I worked on the most, I worked on two very big projects, and I hope I hope this is okay to talk about, guys. <laughs> it's, it's Did you have to again. sign an NDA? Yeah. In the year 2000. Um so two things I worked on. One, guys, I built the website. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Not for NASA, but like for our program that we were doing. And I remember this is a this is uh, this is probably uh I don't know if anyone cares, but one of the things I created this is in 2000 is I had the idea cuz a lot of websites did it was to have what's the best way what's the best a way counter. to enjoy? No, up close. Best way to enjoy when you first go to a website? There should be a Flash intro. Mm. So I learned Flash, and I built <laughs> a Flash intro, and I put it on there, and we launched a website. And then, like a week or so later, I like you know logged in, went to work, and I looked went for a website, and the Flash intro was gone. Oh, and I talked to someone because there was like college students who also did internships that was part of this program. And this college guy's like, yeah, you know, uh, the, the head of the thing wanted me to remove it. And I was like, what? I worked on that for like six weeks or whatever. And I actually, guys, I had the courage to go down to his office. Oh, my God. <laughs> Knocked on the door. I was, I was 16 years old. God. And I was just like. I was asked to put this Excuse thing together. Excuse me, sir. <laughs> I um, was asked to put this thing together. I learned how to do it. I did it. If there needs to be changes to it, I'll make it. But I feel like it should be on the website. Now, looking back, he was right. You shouldn't have flash intros on websites. No, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I just like the idea of, like, I'm picturing, like, some guy with a PhD in astrophysics. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and, like, 16-year-old Rob just, like, <laughs> yes, mark. to call someone at the Pentagon back. <laughs> then here's a knock on his door. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it was a. It, look, to be fair, I have warm memories. Of this 
Uh, either was, either that or the other funny scenario is some guy who is like an ace fighter pilot and, has, yeah. and who like did four <laughs> tours of duty in like Desert Storm and Iraq and now he's like a consultant and he has like the crew cut haircut and a big cigar in his mouth. It was Tom Skerritt. Yeah. He, he, or like the, his J- takeaway from it was like, I guess my son isn't so bad after all. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, to be fair. I it was a it was a big moment for me because I was a pretty passive kid, and the fact that I went and did this, I remember he said, "Yeah, why don't you add it back on?" Thanks for. I think he like thanked me for like having the like courage to come talk to him about it. And I was like, "Oh, huh. you can go talk to people," and that 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 made the person I am now, guys. Uh, that guy has no idea the damage he did. <laughs> <laughs> Rob molded by NASA. Yeah. And the other thing I worked on was a uh there is a rural county in virginia and they had a lot of uh dead zones for cell phones because it was in the mountains imagine that and so we were tasked with like figuring out what those dead zones were and where we could like where you could put cell phone towers that could fix it now looking back i have no idea why this is a nasty thing i'm sure they just gave kids stuff to do like it was just like here here's the thing um, so I remember we like took like, uh, you know, like elevation maps and then made like a 3d rendering of the County. And then we put in like, we put in like where the, uh, the, the current cell phone towers were and then their ranges and then how the mountain, and then you would like, it was like a fly through that would go through the County and show you where all the dead zones were. I wonder how many deaths you caused indirectly because they could now text and drive in these areas. <laughs> Up on the mountains, up in the hill, people. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that I mean, like, so it was cool. I loved working on it. Also, like, you know, I was from Spooner. There was no diversity, and then I go out to like, you know, uh, the coast on Virginia, and all of a sudden, like, I'm working with people who aren't just like, hey, a bunch of white farm kids, which is like what I grew up with. Uh, so like, it was it was a good experience. But that said, there was no space stuff. Like, I did absolutely zero space things. There was no astronaut stuff. There was no. I so mean, do you think was, you were going to go into space at age sixteen? No, I didn't. But when you tell people you did this, they're like, "Oh, you must know like a lot about space shuttles and stuff." And I don't. I don't know anything about well, it. Well, they learned their lesson from space camp. Exactly. Yep. That's a good segue, guys. I deep dived into the Challenger, and I feel like I mean I assume everyone knows the Challenger, but I just in case I feel like we should give, you know, a few overarching things about what happened right january 28th 1986 a crew of seven people go up in a challenger and like shortly after a minute of in the air it blew up now that's bad enough <laughs> yeah that's a problem i w- personally i wish it would have happened yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's brave. you're so brave uh, well that's why they, I'm here. they needed more rob's working um, on that challenger <laughs> The it turns thing. out it, it was flying over an area of Virginia and couldn't get cell reception and <laughs> crashed. <laughs> so the big thing about this is it was the first time an ordinary citizen had gone onto the onto a space shuttle into space, and as Duff mentioned, it could have been it could have been Big Bird. <laughs> but it said what, it was what, t- it, what I think we've joked about this in the past. I, I hope I am not repeating my joke, but was it gonna was. Were they going to wear the Big Bird suit? <laughs> <laughs> There's no way. I mean, I'm guessing... Like a smaller like, version of it? Like a medium bird? 
I think they probably would have brought the Big Bird suit with, but I don't think, and, like, you know, once they were up, like, in orbit, they could have, like, you know, he could have put on the suit and did some, like... What's the point of sending him up there if he's not going to wear the suit? <clears throat> I mean, he's so, not going to be in the suit with a space suit over it. That's what I'm saying. So I'm looking at uh, a History.com article. It says... Uh, this is from Carol Spinney in 2015. I got a letter from NASA asking if I would be willing to join a mission to orbit the Earth as Big Bird. Spinney never applied for the program, but NASA reached out to the creators of Sesame Street with a proposal to send him into space in the early 80s. Uh, I feel like the, it would have involved the suit. <laughs> It had to have, but I mean, I would have involved the suit once they got up. There's no way so, Spinney is so putting on the strapped suit in. Like, here, his little beak bends here. from the G forces. So, Spinney maintains it was the puppet's eight foot two stance, a size that would have taken up significant amount of shuttle real estate. In yeah. 2015, NASA confirmed that the initial conversations had taken place, but that the plan was never approved. So I feel like the goal was like, hey, kids, like Big Bird, let's have Big Bird from the Challenger talk about going into space. I mean, it would be cool. Yeah. I mean, but the, also that's the other an example reason, of like, what a waste of money and stuff to be like, no, we're going to put Big Bird well, into the space shuttle. Well, is it though? I mean, it is. Why? why? Because like, what's, what are you doing? Like, well, you, you inspiring don't children. Yeah. But, I mean, look at the state of NASA now. What if we had? What, what if more of our ch children's shows would have inspired us to support it? They should have put Oscar the Grouch in there, <laughs> just floating around in his trash can. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing I do know is that, uh, and the other reason I feel like it it surely would have been him in the suit is that I know, like Carol Spinney never, like he wouldn't show himself out of the costume. Like he would do interviews, but he would never mm. take it off. Like he wouldn't take the head off in front of kids or even around. But they weren't going to make a special spacesuit for like no him that in right. Okay. That's the point. Okay. But I mean, right. I think they quickly realized it's like no, this isn't doable. But I think yeah. it, I think it was a good faith effort on NASA, and they were they at least thought about it for a little bit. It's obvious. Question. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, <God>. Question. <laughs> yeah. Could he have? fit into a spacesuit underneath the Big Bird costume and done a spacewalk as Big Bird. Mm. Like, would, okay, would, so would, would space... zero gravity, <laughs> would the cold, chill air of space ruin the Big Bird costume? <laughs> hmm. These so are good questions. He puts on a spacesuit, and then yeah. you have, like, a, a, like, an extra big... Uh, <laughs> A big bird suit that goes a bigger over bird, if you, the a entire, bigger bird, if you a will. Bigger bird. Like we're gonna need a bigger bird. It would the big bird costume would look weird. There'd be like bulges where the helmet was. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay, all right. Challenger. So there was instead of Big Bird, it was a teacher whose name I can never say. Krista, I can't say white women's names. What is it, Krista McGough? Krista McGough. McLaughlin. <laughs> I don't no know. Uh, Krista with a Krista lot of McAuliffe. 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 Okay. So because there was a teacher on there, they <laughs> broadcast this thing live on NASA TV, and schools were like, "Oh my God, what an event!" Let's. And, and to be fair, there hadn't been a like incident for a long time 
uh, for NASA where like anything bad happened Seems on like a, Apollo a thirteen shuttle launch. Yeah, and that wasn't on the launch. Yeah, um, there was so, the there was the disastrous test launch of I think it was Apollo one, but that wasn't broadcast. Yeah, so it had been a long time, uh, and so. They, I was just reading here, it says that according to the, a New York Times poll, uh, 48% of 9 to 13-year-olds watched the launch at school. That's a shame. It's absolutely a shame. Um, so, and this is like live video of this thing like blowing up in the air. Uh, so what happened? Well... A large investigation occurred to figure out <laughs> why this happened, and so part of it is you have to like, you know, NASA was getting really big, as I mentioned earlier, and so there was like these crazy funding ideas that NASA is going to be self-funded, and that there was the plan to have sixty launches a year, which is absurd. Um, the most they've ever had was nine in a year, um, so partly to like deal with this idea of like we're going to go up way more we have all you know we're going to launch this what they started doing is instead of doing the work themselves they would hire private contractors if there's ever a thing that's always a problem it seems like private contractors so they were hiring out a lot of the work to build the space shuttle to private contractors and then like nasa scientists would you know look at it and examine it and test it and see how it was how it was so the big issue, as I'm sure you guys may know, the big issue with the Challenger was the O-rings. Now, this is like, this is like, you know, like the Apollo ones are like a rocket, right? Like it's like the it's like the kind of rocket you would have as like a kid you would launch, you know, uh, with CO2 or whatever. These are like shuttles that they had like boosters on the left and right, and then like the shuttle would be inside of it. So the idea was like the boosters would like the rocket boosters would launch it up in the air, and then it would detach and then go off into space. Okay. So you have these two rocket boosters, and, you know, these boosters are giant. And so in between the, like, different parts of the boosters are O-rings, which are, like, you know, kind of sealing sealing the, like, metals together, these pieces together. And they did a bunch of tests, and they found that at cold temperatures – rocket propellant would blow by the primary o-ring which obviously is a problem no that shouldn't do that but there was a secondary o-ring and it never had and that was like the times it went through the primary one the secondary one would stay intact so it was fine the backup worked um so that's kind of like the issue that they had, but because they were on this like pressure to do all the stuff, instead of like thinking like, "Hey, you know what? Let's rethink this. This is this is problem." They just they just like kind of changed the standards. So instead of like <laughs> redesigning it, they're like, "All right, well, you know, we might be okay with more O-ring erosion than we thought because the secondary ones are fine, and we'll just do this." And, and when I was researching this, I tried finding this article I had read a year or two ago and i couldn't find it but essentially well it was built on flash so yeah (laughs) i couldn't find the seo was terrible um the uh the the article kind of talked about like part of the issue with this is like when you create like acceptable margins of risk what happens is if you keep living on those borders of the acceptable uh margins like 
ends up falling apart because you're not testing what if it's the worst case scenario with this yeah. and what if it's okay worst case scenario with this and what about this and these kind of like issues stack and then iso- yeah and each one in isolation might be okay but th- but all together then the odds of something going wrong increase significantly exactly um so they had learned that at cold temperatures the rocket propellant had blown by the primary o-ring more often and uh the day that it was like time to like you know like the night before the launch it was and this is in florida it was 30 degrees in florida and yeah, it was a record low. It was 30 degrees. It was in January. Okay. And there was a lot of concern from the engineers that were like, listen, uh, this is cold. And this is sort of like, you know, we're, we're, we're outside the range and we're concerned. And we think we should wait until it's 54 degrees until they launch. And, you know, as any projects, there have already been delays. And, you know, it's going to be televised. It's this whole thing timelines pressures this whole thing and the managers actually reversed what the engineers said and moved ahead anyways with the launch friggin always the managers always the managers i wouldn't have done that well nope neither would i and you know what i wish it wouldn't have happened (laughs) um in fact one of the engineers refused to sign off on it he was like i'm not signing off on it and his manager's like well i'll just sign off on it for you and he's like he's like I mean that's fine, but I'm not putting my name on that because if something goes wrong, I'm you know I'm not responsible for this. And so the manager did sign it, and obviously oh. things went awry. And so that's what happened is essentially the rocket propulsion went through the primary O-ring, and because it was so cold, it actually went through the secondary one as well, which is why it then blew up um, 74 seconds after launch. Sad times all around. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so here's a question. I I feel like we were a little young, but did you guys watch the Challenger in school? No. Cuz no, we would was... we would have been like 4 or 5 or yeah, something I don't like think 3 I was even in school. Yeah. But um, I do remember that my mom talked to me about it and I remember cuz I think like even before it happened she's like, "Oh, there's going to be a teacher in space." And I feel like that I I have vague memories of like being told that the teacher in space died yeah i mean um it it, you know it's one of those things where i feel like there's a lot of these things that like are so ingrained into like into into your life that you maybe find out later and you didn't actually see it not that i'm saying we're seeing it but i also wonder about that like how many people actually watched it versus how many people was there maybe like a classroom or two who watched it in school like in that school and then the class ends and everyone's like oh my god you see, we watch a challenger explode and then it just spreads so fast right that like you know our memories aren't reliable and it becomes such a major news event that everyone thinks yeah. they and you come home and you watch it you watch you see the footage of it blowing up and it's pretty easy to be like yeah I, I was sitting there watching it uh, um, i've heard similar theories about the uh the war of the worlds broadcast and oh it, yeah and how most evidence points that in actuality not that many people heard it and not that many people believed it mm-hmm. yeah, i've seen that i've seen that too so yeah i mean the challenger thing's a bummer and, <laughs> I, I, and and like you know obviously it sucks because these people died and that then like anyone who was scarred or had to watch that but also i mean just like crippling to nasa um so 
Uh, do you guys have anything else do you want to talk about with Space Camp? I do. It's okay. tangential to Space Camp. but uh, So I'm sure that you guys noticed and maybe people at home noticed that uh, Joaquin Phoenix is in this movie, but his name yes. is not Joaquin. It is Lee. No. Yeah. This Leaf. is a little window into the unbelievably sad life, childhood he had. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> it gives us an opportunity to explore one of our favorite topics, cults and grifters. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly what I'm saying here. Like, uh, so, I don't think, like, I don't, I feel like, like, especially after his recent Oscar speech, which I never did watch because I don't care, but I heard it was a little erratic. And uh, I did see a few people being like, you know, we should probably keep in mind what he went through through his childhood and adolescence, which was several different incredibly traumatizing events. I'm glad you're bringing up the cult thing. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> so to first answer your question about the name thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, Leaf Phoenix or Joaquin Phoenix was actually born Joaquin Raphael Bottom. He that's, Bottom as in B-O-T-T-O-M? Yes. Um, okay. Arlen and John Lee Bottom um, were his parents, and they joined a uh, a cult in 1972, and they became missionaries. Um, they were kind of a weird mix of hippies, but also kind of like New York intellectual. They were out there, man. Um, okay. The mother is still alive. Um, I think the dad died maybe 20 years ago. But um, so in 1972. Arlen and John Lee Bottom joined uh, the Children of God mm. in ni- Cog. <laughs> yes, Cog. The Cog, yes. <laughs> and they became missionaries traveling. Uh, they went around Mexico and Puerto Rico and South America. And Joaquin was actually born in Puerto Rico. He was born in San Juan in 1974. Okay. So um, I'm sure you can tell just by the name Children of God, uh, a lot of shenanigans going on. Um, and to so I will say to um, the bottom's credit, they left the cult because of this. Okay. So they, in 1977, um, they grew disillusioned with the children of God. And so how long? I mean, how long? How long had they been in it at that point? Uh, since 72, they'd been in it about five years. Okay. Um, Joaquin was born in 74, about two years into it. And they left this cult, the Children of God, and they changed their last name to Phoenix after the mythical bird rising from its own ashes to symbolize a new beginning. So around the same time, um, they let all their children give themselves a name, and uh, Joaquin called himself Leaf. And he went by this for probably until he was 15 or so. And he said that, he was inspired by spending time outdoors raking leaves and desired to have a nature related name like his siblings uh like river and i think so is river is river rivers is river phoenix rivers real first name uh i didn't i was way into the rabbit hole on this and i didn't look at the other siblings but they all have kind of weird hippie names yeah yeah um so and arlen this is the mother would later state that she and her husband were opposed to the cult's increasingly distorted rules particularly the practice of flirty fishing what oh now so what is flirty fishing what is flirty fishing i don't think i want to uh, so i want to know so flirty fishing um i guess i'll go back a little further to talk about the children of god 
Uh, the Children of God was started by a guy named David Berg. And you know that something is going well when it has a lot of name changes and rebrands. It originally, oh, no. it originally started as Teens for Christ, renamed The Children of God, renamed The Family of Love, and then became The Family, which is what it still is known as to this day. Oh, it's still uh, going. Yeah, th- th- nothing problematic has ever been referred to as a family mm-hmm. or the family. Uh, so the fa- I'll for I'll just call it the family for the sake of clarity. Um, the family initially spread a message of salvation, apocalypticism, spiritual revolution, and happiness, and distrust of the outside world, which the members called the system. Ugh. So, in 1976, they began <clears throat> a method of evangelism evangelism called flirty fishing that used sex to show god's love and mercy and win converts okay all right the all term right. the term is derived from matthew four nineteen, and jesus tells two fishermen that he will make them fishers of men so <laughs> david berg uh who is the founder and leader of this uh, he took that to mean that women in his movement... He's like Jinx. He took it literally. So he <laughs> he decided that women in his movement should be flirty fishers, also called bait or fisher women. So oh, wow. they went out and they targeted men they called fish. Um, flirty fishing was defined as using sex appeal for proselytizing. If masturbation, oral, or penetra- penetrative sex ensued, it was termed as loving sexually. And also counted as a deep witness, meaning that the bait earned more brownie points within the group than by mere flirting. So you got more points for... uh, (laughs) You got better badges. Yeah. Um, Berg noted that flirty fishing did not necessarily entail intercourse, but that this was by far the most efficient way of proselytizing. Wow, man. Uh, So let's talk a little about, about David Berg. And this is where I question the phoenix's judgment in the first place because you know no no one is perfect but i'm gonna send you guys a photo of this dude and (laughs) (laughs) just (laughs) oh my god come on (laughs) i think real come on he looks like um john lithgow meets um friar tuck (laughs) do you know what he looks like do you guys know, listen, one of you had an aunt or uncle that had this painting in their house because <laughs> everyone does. The daily bread man, the guy who's like praying at the table and he's got his Bible and his bread. Oh, yeah, and, like, yeah, his, yeah. He looks just like that guy. Uh, so David Berg, um, kind of controversial. His writings were often extreme and uncompromising. Um he de- <laughs> he denounced things such as mainstream churches, pedophilia laws, <laughs> oh my god, capitalism, oh no. Jews. <laughs> um, yet he always admonished the reader to love the sinner but hate the sin. So, yeah, there was a lot of sexual abuse. Um, there's a lot of, just yeah. if you look into the David Berg family, a lot of prostitution, incest. He basically had to live as an exile in Portugal, and he died in 1994. But never fear, the family is still going because his wife is running it now. So this was essentially the Manson family, but 
the Phoenixes were in it. Mm-hmm. And and again, to their credit, they got out. Um, there is conflicting accounts, um, and obviously we'll never know for sure, but River Phoenix um, at one point said that he had been sexually abused or raped when he was four years old. Um, and Joaquin has said that uh, that was him just effing with the press, but you know, who knows? So yeah, yeah. as, as Joe said, just an incredible amount of trauma and craziness yeah. in their formative years. Wow. Wow. That went real dark. Well, I said it was going to be about cults and grifters. <laughs> so, so we started about space camp. Then we transitioned to my time in NASA and then challenger explosion. And then, uh, uh, the 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 Joaquin Phoenix cult, the pedo incest cult that used women as bait to oh, gain converts. Man. I guess well, one thing we might maybe should start doing is trying to guess why the person who picked these movies picked it. <laughs> mm, yeah. It? So let's try to get into the mind of Dennis. Why did he well, pick this movie for us? Part of me wondered if he was like, oh, if I pick a movie that's really difficult to find, Duff will get arrested. <laughs> <laughs> this was one of the more difficult torrents to find. It took a while. Uh, it's not on streaming anywhere. It's a difficult, difficult one to find. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't have like a funny response. I'm sure it was just, uh, I, you know, I feel- is he calling us nerds? Well, he probably is calling me one because he knows about the NASA thing. I, I, have, about I, have, I have a sincere answer. I think it's a movie Dennis watched a lot as a kid and wanted to wanted to hear us talk about it. What did the Midnight Boys talk about? Yeah. Um, I mean, listen, we set up that $50 thing and I, you know, I didn't actually think it would ever happen, but no. it did. And I, I, thanks, Dennis. Yeah, we're very grateful. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's, it's amazing anyone hears us and doesn't want money from us in penance <laughs> yet alone gives us money for more uh so if you want to get a special bonus episode of a free podcast about a movie you can go to patreon.com slash the midnight boys and you can make a 50 dollar one if you don't want to do that and, and you certainly don't need to um nor I'm, am i sure if we want you to uh, you can just pay $2 and you get uh, access to a whole host of things that we post behind the paywall. Um, that's, and we that's, also, where the, that's where the saucy stuff gets posted. That's true. That's true. And uh, if you want to talk to people about this episode, you can go to uh, afreepodcast.com slash freeloaders. That will take you to our Facebook group. And we are also on uh, Twitter and Facebook at handles. I don't remember. I think it's just afreepodcast. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, it was fun. It was fun to like. It was fun that movie was chosen that n- none of us had seen. I never even heard of it. I was vaguely aware of it, and I think I knew it had Leah Thompson. That was all I knew. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was fun, and uh, and uh, we will be back uh, in the in the in the future. We are our next season is going to be on problematic phase, so we're. In uh, I don't know pre-production of that would that be the the term guys? Yeah, I know what I want to talk about, and it's it's uh, this is going to make us all really upset with each other. <laughs> Neat. Yep. Yep. I know. We um, thrive on conflict. Yes. <laughs> Embrace debate. Embrace debate. Join the cult. 